Hey, welcome Thorn Creek Church. Good to see you. Welcome those of you who are online. Glad you're joining us. It is an exciting weekend. I'm excited about this message. I'm excited about this brand new series that we're starting. I just feel like God's going to move in a special way. I hope you came to church expecting to hear a word from God. I hope you're tuning in online because you're expecting to hear a word from God. Uh, I just believe God has a fresh word for all of us. Do you believe that? Just shout out amen if you believe that. I, I, I know every week. I'm looking and I'm saying, God, what do you want to say to me? Um, because I haven't arrived by any stretch. What do you want to say to me? Give me a fresh word. And, and that's, uh, that's my prayer. Uh, let's pray. God, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Uh, I thank you, God, that your mercies are new every morning. I thank you, God, that um, you choose to seek out the lost and you choose to redeem and save and restore. And you're in the business of changing lives and and transforming hearts and renewing minds. I'm grateful for that, God. And I'm grateful for this church. I'm grateful for the way you've worked here, God. I'm grateful for all the churches across the world, Lord, uh, that you just move in a really special way. I want to pray for those uh, right now, God, who've been impacted by these horrible fires out, out, uh, outside of our town here, God. I, I pray that you minister to the families. I pray that you uh, work through all the efforts, um, I pray that you um, even go before them as they talk to their insurance companies and figure out what to do. And I pray, Lord, that your favor goes before them, God. Um, somehow, Lord, I pray that you um, use these, this horrible event to draw people to you. You do that so many, so many times, Lord, and I pray that that happens again. I pray for those who are watching online, God. I pray that you speak to them in a super special way, God, and those who are in person as well. Um, you know how many people are going to watch this online, and I, I just pray that you go before us. And by your grace, Lord, use me. By your grace, um, take a hold of my heart and words and thoughts and, and uh, have your way. That's my desire to be a vessel for you, Lord. Um, we want your agenda. We want your spirit. So Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. Holy Spirit, you are welcome to move in our hearts uh, Holy Spirit, you are welcome. So thank you. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, Jesus is Lord. Type that in the chat room if you want to type in Jesus is Lord. Say that out loud with me, guys. Say Jesus is Lord. That just puts everything in perspective, doesn't it? Puts everything in perspective. That video you just saw represents a little bit of the life of Thorn Creek Church. Just a little bit, and there's been so much here um, that has happened over the years. Uh, we're about to make 18 years on April 20th, um, and I've been a pastor here for about 18 years as well, close to 18. That's phenomenal. That's very unusual. And uh, I want to I wanna appreciate that. Appreciate that. I, I, uh, I wasn't fishing for an applause, but I appreciate the love. I appreciate the love. Hey, uh, Grace and I and the kids, we went on a little vacation. Uh, I, I haven't, I, I've been unplugged from Thorn Creek for 10 days. And it, it's, been, uh, it's been good. I look forward to to returning, and I want you to, that's an important part of the vacation. It's a good thing if you look forward to returning. Missed you all very much. But um, during our vacation, we went outside to uh, Divide, Colorado. You know where Divide is? We stayed at a cabin out there for a couple of nights, and we were at a coffee shop, and, um, and we happened, I was sitting there, uh, I just got my coffee, 
And in walks in this guy who I've known for a long time, and he shouts out Reuben as soon as he comes into the doors of the coffee shop. And here's a picture of him. Um, anybody remember this guy? If you remember him, that's evidence you've been here for a long time. His name is Jim Green. So Jim Green was one of the seven people that showed up to our very, very first meeting, which was at the Fairfield Inn. He uh, recently uh, got married to a, a sweet woman named Emmy. Uh, Emmy, I think she makes him look a lot better. But uh, he, uh, he uh, it's just a delight to run into him. He moved to Colorado Springs many, many years ago, and uh, but he was here at Thorn Creek, and we were reminiscing a little bit, and I was thinking um, about his time, and I asked him, um, Jim, what do you remember about Thorn Creek? And he said, I remember Grace's cookies. That's what he said. I remember her cookies. And the very first meeting we had at the Fairfield Inn, um, we didn't know how many people to expect. Actually, we had an expectation. I think it was of about 30 people. That's what our expectation was. And it was a cold night. And um, there was a total of seven people, including myself, that showed up. And Grace made all of these cookies for the 30 people that would show up. So when Jim showed up, he just remembers the cookies. And that's what he remembers. He said, I remember the cookies. But during those days, you know, he remembers the message. He remembers me preaching my heart out, which he had no idea inside. I was just like dying. <laughs> inside, I was thinking, where are all the people, God? I think people are an important part of building a church. So where are the people, God? And it uh, just wasn't happening. But uh, during those days, we were uh, moving into this building known as Autotroll. And uh, it was not rated for a church. So Jim and uh, this other gentleman who still attends our church, named Terry, both of them were, were, were removing ceiling tile during the week, Monday through Friday, when everyone else was working, they were spending like eight hours a day, Monday through Friday, moving ceiling tile, trying to get this building prepared for, uh, or rated for an assembly so that we can start using it as a church. And Jim has memories of all of that. He has memories of painting walls, and he has memories of building up a wall. He has memories of moving doors. He has memories of doing all this kind of stuff. And uh, I, I look back at him with fondness because I, I, there's something about someone who jumps in. You want to encourage a pastor, you jump in and serve. That's a great way to encourage a pastor because it's tough work being a pastor. But I, I look at that and I think about all the memories of Thorn Creek. There's been highs and lows and challenges and times of joy, times of pain and everything in between. And overall, it's just been a delight. You get to see how God moves, and that's one of the benefits of being part of a church. Um, today, we're starting this brand new series called Thorn Creek Soul, and I'm emotionally attached to this, not just because it's Thorn Creek, but because I love the church. Anybody love the church? I love the church. I feel like I'm preaching to the choir because you're all here tonight at church. So I know you love the church. You made time to come to church. Um, but uh, I, I, uh, I, I just love the church. And I did not grow up loving the church. People sometimes think, well, I just grew up going to church every single weekend. I did not grow up going to church every single weekend. I'm the guy who slept in or who played football or just did other things and would rather do other things besides go to church. I was a not a church-going guy. Anybody relate to that? You grew up, you were not a church-going person. And a crazy thing happened. Jesus got a hold of my life, and I fell in love with Jesus. 
I just couldn't get enough of Jesus. Grace was reminding me just this week, our first, I'm going to share our, 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 our uh, we had a, a code, um, like with, you know, security code, and my security code was I, I love JC, like I-L-J-C. That was, I mean, I was in love and still am in love with Jesus. And I fell in love with this church and I didn't know anything about it, about this idea of people coming together and like worshiping together and doing life together. And like the spiritual family that existed, I didn't have that kind of family. So it was brand new to me. And if you've grown up with that and that's all you've known, well, well, God bless you. Not everyone has that experience. I didn't have that experience and I fell in love with the church. So for the next four weekends, we're going to be looking at the Thorn Creek soul. We're going to be looking at church. Is it essential? Is church essential for someone who considers themselves a Christian? Is it essential for you to get to heaven? Do you need to go to church in order to get to heaven? Do you need to go to church to grow in your relationship with Christ? Do you need to go to church to become spiritually mature? Do you need to commit to a church in order to become or to experience God's purpose for your life? I mean, the title of today's message is Why Church? Why Church? And I can't think of a more appropriate title as I thought about this. I don't want to be tone deaf to where we're at. You know, we just finished one full year of COVID, one full year, like we can check off that box, 2021, right? We can check off that box. That was our first year of navigating life with a pandemic in the background. We didn't have any data before that. We didn't know what to expect. And, and, and a lot of things happened in that first year. And, and it, it really has impacted us. You know, for example, it's impacted even the church world. You know, there's been some studies that have said that during that first year, as many as 38% of U.S. pastors have thought about quitting full-time ministry in that past year. 38% have said, you know what, um, I'm going to walk away from this. This is just too much, too much. Maybe you've experienced that yourself, but I want to encourage you to love on your pastors. They, they face spiritual challenges that are very unique. Everybody faces challenges. I get it. And I'm just telling you the position of a pastor. You're a target for the devil. The devil wants to take you out. And because it impacts other people, not just your family, it impacts a bunch of people. So you pray for your pastors. When you have opportunity to love on them, love on them. October is Pastor Appreciation Month. Mark that down on your calendar for next year, or you can love on your pastor. Well, we're so blessed. We get loved on, and I'm so grateful for the love that this church has shown towards me and my family. It's encouraging. Believe it or not, pastors need to be encouraged as well. Pastors need to be encouraged. It, it, it seems like there's always something to bring them down or discourage them. Um, I thought about the, the future. And, you know, you think about, about how COVID has impacted our lives. You know, when we were looking at, um, we just wanted to go to Starbucks. And Google said it was open. And we show up at 12 o'clock in the afternoon and they're closing. Have you experienced that? Like shops just closing because of COVID or COVID related. COVID is a great thing because you can blame everything on COVID now. And, uh, you know, if you're someone who likes to blame others, well, now you got something in your pocket you can pull out anytime you want. I'm late to church because it was COVID or whatever it is. Uh, but, but because of that, now it's just impacted a lot of things. But I think about what does the church look like? What does the future church look like? Mark Batterson said it like this. We're not trying to get back to normal, we're trying to get back to the supernatural. And I like that. 
I like that. I think normal has changed, right? Our normal has changed. It's going to be different for a while. I think we're going to be navigating through through viruses, you know, for years, right? We're going to be navigating through it, and uh, we're going to be doing that. But what does that church look like? My prayer is that we experience the supernatural. We experience things that could only be done if God was involved with it. My prayer is that God moves in such a way that that person who doesn't give a rip about church can look and say, wow, I don't know who God is, but I can see God moving at that church, that's my prayer. My prayer is when they talk about Thorn Creek Church, they have to include the supernatural because there's things that have happened in the church that it could not be explained or described unless you include the supernatural, and that's my desire. Here's my prayer. At the end of this series, these four-week series, and I want to challenge you to watch online or attend in person, but at the end of this four-week series, here's what I pray. I pray that you have a deeper love for Jesus. And I pray you have a deeper love for his church. A deeper love for Jesus and a deeper love for his church. None of this matters if you don't know who Jesus Christ is. It all starts with Jesus because everything is about him and the church is really about him. Uh, Barna Research uh, Group, they did a little study in July 2020 and they identified three types of churchgoers today. And here's the three types of churchgoers. This is due to the pandemic. Here it is. First one is these are people who identify themselves as Christians. That's who this is. Christians, first type is Christians who watch their home church online, right? And you've done that before, I'm guessing. You watch online and you're faithful to watch online. That's, that's one group. That's a brand new group that we really didn't have a lot of them before COVID. And now we have people watching online. Here's the second group of people. These are Christians who become digital church hoppers. They just skip around going to different church services, and that's what they do. And they don't really commit to one. They just open up a whole bunch of, you know, maybe taps, and they just watch in different church services, and, and they enjoy that, and they say, I went to church. Um, here's the third type. It's people who stopped attending church altogether. There's people during this COVID where they just kind of stopped attending church because they were fearful of getting COVID and they just slowly drifted away from that church body. They slowly drifted away from that church family. And then after a while of not attending, they kind of lose an emotional connection a little bit. And then we're creatures of habit. So after the third week, fourth week of missing church, you're like, you know what? I kind of enjoy staying at home and watching the Broncos lose like today. Or I enjoy just whatever. And I kind of enjoy having my own time. It's my only day off from work and I need rest and I kind of enjoy this and God knows my heart. And I'm going to, I'll watch some cool TikTok videos of the church and I'm good to go. And I think I can manage my own spiritual life on my own. I'm self-sufficient. I don't need to go to a church. I don't need to commit to a church online or in person. I'm on my own and I don't need anything else. So you slowly drift away and eventually it's just you and your family and your problems and that's what you focus on and you've just kind of drifted away and you've stopped attending or watching church, whatever it is. And then there's these other type of people. I just threw these people in. These are people who never like going to church, first of all. So now they just use COVID as a valid excuse why they don't go to church. When before COVID, they didn't go to church, but now they have a valid excuse why they don't go. David Platt said this, if you claim to be a follower of Christ, I encourage you to consider your present commitment to a local church. 
your present commitment to a local church. The church is not like your workout club, you know, that you go to, you know, or whatever it is. Um, I, 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 uh, I, I, I did not attend my, my uh, workout fitness club really much. I just, you know, paid for guilt. You know, every month I would send in a membership fee that was reminding me of my guilt, why I didn't work out. But I, and some of us look at church like that. Like it's, okay, I've got to go to the dentist, I mean church, and I don't want to go to church. All right, I've got to go work out, and I know I'm not working out. I know I'm getting a little fat, and I know I need to work out, but you know what? I'm busy, and things are busy, and I don't have time for it, next kind of thing, and, and we, just, we just kind of do that. But there's this connection between your relationship with God and your view of the local church. There's this connection between your relationship with Jesus and, and, uh, and, and the local church as well. Here's the truth. Most people, many people, um, church is really not a priority. I mean, if you're honest with yourself, um, and, and again, I feel like many of you come every weekend, so God bless you. But you know who I'm talking about. Maybe this is you online. For a lot of people, attending a church service is really not a priority. In fact, you might have a reason why you go to church. Maybe it's because of your spouse or because of your friend or whatever. And if that friend or that spouse was out of the equation, you may not attend church in person or online at all. You may just stop because you know it's like a good thing, but it's not really, not really for you. Um, if someone has to beg you to go to church, if someone has to coerce you to go to church, if they have to bribe you, you know, if they're going to say, I'm going to pay for your gas if you go to church, whatever, or if you avoid someone because you know they're going to invite you to church, so you don't answer their call. You know, if the stars have to line up, you know what I mean? If you have to be in the mood, if you have to feel like going to church, if there is always something more important to you, then you have a spiritual misunderstanding of the value of church and the purpose of of church. Ultimately, there's a spiritual reason behind, behind your misunderstanding of the church. It's always a spiritual reason. Always a spiritual reason. Um, Francis Chan said it like this. He says, we're not doing people any favors by pretending they are the center of the universe. Hello. Either people will be awed by the sacred or they will not. If the sacred is not enough then it is clear that the Spirit has not done a work in their lives. That's why you maybe, that's why churches aren't completely full. That's why there's, there's people who aren't fully committed to a church. There's a spiritual reason behind that. They haven't gotten to a place where they recognize who Jesus is yet. They haven't had a stirring from the work of the Spirit inside of their heart yet. So because of that, there's no urgency. There's no urgency. You know, when you're desperate, you'll do anything, won't you? When you're desperate, you'll do anything. And in fact, you make time for the things that are important to you. I stopped trying to beg people to go to church. 
And it's been really interesting during this whole COVID thing where I've talked to people and said, hey, why don't you come to church? You haven't been to church in a long time. And they say, no, we're just really concerned about the gatherings. But then you see them throughout the week and they're around crowds all week. All week they're around crowds at work, at the grocery store, they're going to games, they're doing all this stuff. But then on the weekends they say, you know what? I don't want to be around a crowd over the weekend. See, we, we could even, we, we have these, they're called excuses. And, and, and we use them and we, we feel, we convince ourselves and we kind of throw it out to others and we say, okay, don't invite me anymore because of this. And, and we use whatever it is and say that's the truth. But the truth is, church is just not a priority. And it's all related to your relationship with Jesus. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 16. He said, I will build my church. And all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Let's read it together out loud, church. Let's read it. I will build my church. I will build. Well, whose church is he talking about? It's his church, my church, Jesus' church. And all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Um, Jesus said it's his church. This verse reminds us that he is the head of the church. He is the founder of the church. It's his organization. It's his church. And he said, all the powers of hell will not conquer it except COVID. Doesn't say that, does it? It said, all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Doesn't say anything about restrictions or anything else or anything else you want to throw at it or politics or whatever. It says, all the powers of hell will not conquer it. The church marches on. The church has been going on for 2,000 years. It'll continue when you die. Church is going to continue. When your company that you work for dies, it's going to continue. And he said it like this, Jesus is the hope of the world. And the local church is the vehicle of expressing that hope to the world. Do you know here at this church, God has used this church to minister to people. I want you to know why do we do the things that we do? Why do we have guest relations people show up early and set up tents and stand at doors? And why do we have people in, in, in the Perk coffee shop selling, not selling, but giving away lattes or whatever it is? And why do we have a worship team that shows up at, you know, one o'clock in the afternoon every Saturday to practice and give all this time? Why do we do this? Why do we have people in the children's ministry area? that show up early and are committed on Saturday nights and Sundays? Why do pastors spend time, hours and hours and hours, and, and, and why, why do we do, why are we lunatics? Why do we do this? And I want you to know how God has used this church. There are marriages that people who've attended this church that are, are barely holding on to each other, and they have said how Thorn Creek Church has helped their marriage. Marriages that are just going through rocky times that have just helped them and reassured them that it's going to be okay. There are people who've gone through divorces that attend Thorn Creek Church that just need to be healed and encouraged and supported and that kind of thing because divorces are incredibly difficult. There are people who are not married, singles, who are trying to identify God's purpose for their life and have a desire to be married, and they've found encouragement here and hope here and strength here. There's people who have struggled with depression that come to this church. 
And, and, and they don't want to be, they don't want to experience depression, but they live with depression. And they come to Thorn Creek Church and they're encouraged when they come to church. There's people who've been sexually abused, even raped, that come to this church and are encouraged and reminded that we have a God who heals. There are people who've experienced great loss that come to this church. Brothers have died, sisters have died, parents have died, and it doesn't make any sense. And they're wondering if God is a God of justice and why is this happening and just doesn't make any sense, but they found great encouragement here. There are people who have faced prison time and who come out of prison, they come to this church and are reminded that God still loves them, that God still loves them and they still have value and God still has a purpose for them. And they come to this church and they're reminded of that. There's people who are spiritual hypocrites that come to this church. And I'm so glad they come. They've grown up in the church their whole life, but they're a different person and their actions and their words don't match up to their, to, to, to their faith. But they keep coming and they're learning how to live a life of holiness and righteousness. There's people who've been hurt that come to this church. Hurt deeply. And wounds deeply, and they carry about this wounds and, and, and this hurt and this pain, and they live with it so long, they even forget that it's part of their life, and they carry this around, and they come to church, and they hear a word of God, and God ministers, the Spirit of God moves in their heart and encourages them. There's people who come to this church that are tired and worn out. Anyone here? Just tired. Just worn out. You've been fighting that battle. You're going day to day trying to do the right thing. And you're trying to, you know, take care of your responsibilities. And you're just tired and worn out. And they come here and they're encouraged. There's people who come here that are just simply discouraged. They're just down on themselves. And they're just discouraged. Or they live with pain. Or there's people that have anger inside of them. And they just live with this anger. It's become a badge of honor now or something. And they live with this anger and they come to church and they hear about the love of God. They hear about the compassion of God. They hear about the attitude of Jesus Christ and God works in their heart, in their life. There's people who are, who are hung up on lust and pornography that come to this church and they're reminded that God's grace is greater. They're reminded that God loves them. There's people that come here full of guilt and shame. They can't forgive themselves. And they come to this church and they're reminded of God's grace and God's mercy. There's people who are caught up in sin that just need to be reminded that it's possible to live above that sin. There's people who walk away from their faith and come to this church. And they're reminded that God hasn't given up on them. And there's people who walk away from the local church. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to people who said, I stopped going to church years ago because so-and-so hurt me. I stopped going to church years ago because such and such happened to me. So I decided to go rogue and I'm self-sufficient and I don't commit anywhere. And now I, and then God restores their confidence in the church. And it's beautiful when that happens. We have people that come, are coming to Thorn Creek right now who had very difficult church experiences. And now they're finding a place here and they're, they're, they're identified. This is why we do what we do because there's nothing like the power of the church. It's God's primary conduit to show love and hope and grace and mercy and purpose and heal and restore. This is why we do what we do. 
This is why we pour our energy and, and hours and time, and this is why we do what we do. This is not like the Boy Scouts or the Girl Scouts, nothing against those organizations. It's not like that organization you work for that you love so much. That's great. This organization has eternal value, and Jesus Christ himself is working through the church. That's why. Can you put your hands together if you just agree with that, guys? That's why we're here. Why else would, this is a waste of time. Why in the world would I have given 25 plus years to the church if I didn't believe in it? Why in the world would I have moved away from my family? They're two states away if I didn't believe in it. Why else? I'm crazy if you tell me, (laughs) why am I doing this? Uh, I've been spending time in Ephesians in my private devotionals. So that's where the Lord has led me with this message, guys. And I want to I do that. I'm, this is coming from my devotional life. And the Lord just, you know, he's so good at orchestrating events. Many times my private devotions match up with the messages or, or the days or the circumstances, the things that I'm going through. And this is one of those times. But in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul the Apostle writes to this, this letter to the church in Ephesus. And they're brand new Christians. They're brand new. They're learning to walk with God. And he wants them to understand the value of the church. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22, Paul says this, God has put all things under the authority of Christ. All things, say all things with me, all things, and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the, what church? Of, for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. So this is just jam-packed with beautiful truth. It's beautiful. For it tells us God has put all things under the authority of Christ for the benefit of the church. The literal Greek language there means this. Jesus is God's gift to the church. Jesus is God's gift to the church. He is the head of the church, and he is the head of all believers. And the relationship between Jesus and the church is not like the relationship between you and the CEO of the company that you work at. It's not like the relationship between you and the president of the United States or the president of a company. It's not like the relationship between you and some ruler of a country. It's not like that. The relationship between the church and Jesus Christ is this vital spiritual connection. Jesus is the source of life. He's the source of, of, of power. And it's, there's this living relationship between Jesus, the head, and the church body. In fact, it's made full and complete through Christ. In other words, when people look at the church, which are the body of believers, you know who they see? Jesus. It's a vital connection between Jesus the head and the body of believers. And there's this connection. And there's this idea that the fullness of Jesus Christ is seen in the church. Who Jesus is and everything about him, the fullness of Christ is seen in the life of that church. As people look at you, they see Jesus. They look at your compassion, they see Jesus. They look at the way you forgive, and they see Jesus. 
They see your joy and they see Jesus. They see your mercy and they see Jesus. We, as a body of believers, we are, we are the fullness of Christ. It's this relationship. Jesus is the sole head of the universe and he's the sole head of the church. See, let me say it this way. You can't separate Jesus and the church. You can't separate it. You can't say, I love Jesus, but I don't go to church. You can't say, I love Jesus, but I, I, uh, I don't care about his church. Or I love Jesus, but I'm not committed to a church. You can't separate the two because Jesus is the head of the church and you are the body of Christ and they're connected. There's this spiritual connection that's there. You can't separate it. You can't separate Jesus from the church. So as much as you'd like to say, I will follow Jesus, but I won't attend a church, then you don't know, you don't love Jesus. You don't know Jesus because Jesus set up the church to communicate God's purpose and God's hope for this world. Everything about the church is about Jesus. And you, I, I had this uh, during Christmas Eve services, which I loved our Christmas Eve service. We had over a thousand people watch or attend our, during our Christmas Eve services. Glory to God. The message of Jesus Christ was preached. Yeah, you can read the message of Jesus Christ. We had many people come to know Christ. But I was having a conversation with a, with a brand new, uh, they were visiting family, actually. This couple attends our church and their parents we're in town visiting them, and they came to church, which I always think is super cool when you have family or friends that visit you, and you say, let's go to church together. That's so cool when that happens. Um, but anyway, so this, uh, this uh, uh, gentleman, he was, a, he was dad. He was probably in his, I'm guessing in his 60s or so, and, and his wife was in the 60s. Well, they were missionaries, and they were missionaries from Germany. And uh, uh, actually, they were missionaries from America, and they were serving in Germany, put it that way. And uh, they, were, they were in this place called Frankfurt. And uh, so they showed up, and I'm having this casual conversation with them in the hall, and he's telling me about the ministry that he does in Frankfurt, Germany. Now, I'm a lover of the church. I love seeing God work in different churches. I think it's beautiful, whether it's small or big. It doesn't matter, you know, when two or three gather in, the, in my name, he's with us, right? And I think it's just beautiful. And I, 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 have, I have a great love for pastors and missionaries and people who just give their life to the church. So I'm having this conversation with him, and he's telling me about this ministry in Frankfurt, Germany. And I'm listening to him talk about it, and it dawns on me that um, um, about nine months ago, I was contacted by some church leaders, and uh, they were picking, uh, I think it was seven churches across the United States, and they were asking these seven churches if they'd be willing to be in a relationship like a, 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 to, to learn from this church in Frankfurt, uh, Germany, and, 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 and uh, they, they wanted us, they wanted me to be a part of it, which I'm very humbled about that, and they wanted us to be a part of it and uh, learn from this church in Frankfurt, and, and they have these mission centers all over Frankfurt, Germany, and it's the church going out, and so I'm having this conversation 
with this missionary in the lobby, and I realized, oh my word, he attends the church in Germany that they were wanting us to be a part of and to learn from. It just so happened that of all the churches in the world, uh, this guy's here, and and there's this beautiful connection we had, and all of a sudden, and one of the things he told me about uh, that that triggered me was he talked about the red light district in Frankfurt. It's a place where there's prostitution and and sex, and, and this church goes, and they have people who walk the streets with all the prostitutes and and build a relationship with them and 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 love on these prostitutes and 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 minister to them in the name of Jesus. So he's talking to me about this ministry and I'm like, "Oh my word, I know that church you're talking about." It was so encouraging. It was like the Lord reminded me that there's churches across the world that are are missional and are trying to figure out how to reach the lost, how to love on the broken. And we're not alone, church. We're not alone. Jesus is moving in churches across the world. It's a good word for you pastors. Jesus is moving across the world. You're not alone. There's an army of pastors that are trying to do their best and are tired and are working and are serving and are doing it without any applause and sometimes even without any money. And they're doing it and they're love, all for the love of Jesus. You're not alone. There's a beautiful fraternity out there. And those of you who are committed and serving and giving, there's, there are people, you're not crazy. There are people across the world who are just like you that are serving and loving and giving and committed to the church. We are not alone. Jesus is working in churches across the world, across the globe, and he is at work and he's trying to build up the kingdom of heaven and keep people out of hell. That's what Jesus is doing. You are not alone. You are not alone. Glory to God. Yeah, I can't believe nobody put their hands together for that. That's just good stuff right there, guys. Ephesians chapter four, Paul says this. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. These are the gifts. Then it says, verse 12, their responsibility. So here's our job description. If you wonder, what's the job description of pastors and, and leaders of the church? Here it is. The responsibility is to equip God's people. Can you say equip with me? Equip God's people to do his work and build up the church the body of Christ. That means the pastor is responsible for helping you become spiritually mature. Do you hear that? The pastor is responsible for helping you become spiritually mature. You know what that means? You need the pastor to help you become spiritually mature. That's what that means. Now, if, you, if, you, if you're hung up on yourself and you think, I don't need anyone, then, then you're not thinking biblically at all. You're saying this verse is not for you. This verse tells us that pastors have a responsibility to help you become spiritually mature. And then the church is built up. And it says this idea, the body of Christ. In other words, the church is a visible manifestation of the body of Christ. It's a visible manifestation of the body of Christ. Verse 13 says, this will continue until, say until with me, until we all come to such what? To such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son 
So then, right here, this, says, this word until is such a big word. That this idea of uh, this will continue. Pastor's responsibility is to help you grow spiritually. Pastor's responsibility is to help you do that. You know what that means, church? That means pastors have to say tough things sometimes into your, speak truth and love in your life. That's what that means. Some pastors don't like it. <laughs> it's not fun. But we also have someone speaking into our lives too. So I want you to know that. We have someone speaking in our lives also. And this has to continue until, say until, until unity in our faith and knowledge. See, God wants unity. Unity in our faith and knowledge of Christ. You keep reading that. It says, it says to such, such, to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord. There it is again. You need the church to become spiritually mature. Without the church, your, 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 your growth is stunted. Without you being part of what God has put in place, your growth is limited. We need the church to continue to grow, to mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. And there's the goal. Measuring it up so that our love looks like Christ's love. So that our knowledge of God increases. And the way we show compassion is just like the compassion of Jesus. Our attitude is just like the attitude of Jesus. This, this unity talk, I want to spend a little time talking about this because the opposite of unity is disunity. If you were the devil, what would be one of the strategies you have against the church? If the goal of the church is to create unity, if you were the devil, what would be your strategy? It would be to create division, wouldn't it? It would be to create division. Because if you can create division in the church, which is the exact opposite of the goal of Christ in the church, the goal God has for us, then it, that, that church becomes weaker. Because division always creates weakness. Fracture always creates weakness. Jesus said this in Mark chapter 3. He said, a kingdom divided by civil war will collapse. Similarly, a family splintered by feuding will fall apart. If a family argues all the time and just has that part of their culture every day, they're arguing... You know, the kids are always arguing, and parents are always arguing, and that's division. And according to the words of Jesus, that will, that will divide a family, that will divide a home. And the same principle applies to the church. It will divide a church. It will divide a church, and it will break it apart. When I look at the early church, and I'm, I'm reading right now, I'm, I'm doing a study on the early church. One of the things that you see in the early church is this unity, this deep love and commitment to Jesus, and, and also a, a deep love to grow spiritually, a deep desire to grow on a personal level. And you know what? They, one of the things you see in, in a characteristic of this early church is they, they didn't argue about meaningless stuff. 
They didn't argue about stuff that didn't help the church. They didn't, they didn't do that. Um, so I want you to know there could be division happens when there's misunderstandings or when there's no philosophical alignment or when two people aren't walking together, there's division. Um, or there's hurt feelings, but there's also something else. There's also pride and self-centeredness can create division as well. Divided churches eventually die. Divided churches don't grow. They don't grow. And after all of those leaders get to a certain age and die, eventually the church dies with it. And then someone comes in and starts up another church and they call it, you know, you know, the River City Hope of Jesus or whatever they call it, I don't know. But they start up a whole new church with a whole new mission, a whole new vision. And there's a story behind that church of bickering and feuding and eventually that church died. If you've been in the church long enough, you probably know churches that experienced that. You probably have experienced churches that have fought over where to put that plant or what color of the wall they should do, whatever it is, or, or nobody called me, or I was whatever, or I don't know, we did all kinds of stuff. The devil will use anything to create division. That's the goal of the devil. And the scripture says so that we could become mature in the Lord. That's the goal. You know what that means? Literally, it means complete. It means full grown. It means complete or full grown or perfect. Complete or full grown or perfect. You know, I really feel bad for those dogs that are like miniature border collies or something like that. Because I look at them and I think, man, you don't know the life you could have if you were full grown. And, and, and the owner has them because their poop is smaller and everything about them is smaller. But I'm thinking, I really feel bad for miniature shepherds and miniature dogs. And I look at them and I'm thinking, you don't, you don't know how big you could be. You don't know the life you could have. You can take two steps Instead of four. I mean, you don't know what that life looks like. And, and, and here's the challenge, I think, for a lot of us. We, we, we aren't full grown. We're like miniature Christians. In our minds, we're full grown Christians. But you're only fooling yourself. The purpose of the church is to help you grow up. To help you reach your full potential in Christ Jesus. That's the purpose of the church. And that's the process you're in. The problem is when we have so much self-centeredness and pride. That we're willing to forfeit growing up over being right. What we believe to be right. Because of our pride. We're willing to say, I don't, I don't care what you say because all I care is what I tell myself. And I'm not going to embrace what you're saying. I'm not going to be in this system. I choose, I refuse. I'm self-sufficient. I don't need anything else. I've heard everything. I know everything. So I don't need that. And what you're doing is you're stunting your own growth. The purpose of the church is to help you mature and be full and complete in Christ. You know what that means? It means God wants you to grow to be a mature saint. A mature saint. That means the way you look at things is different. The way you see your own feelings is different. The way you process life and your perspective of life and the way you see circumstances and difficult situations and, and conflict, it's different because you are a mature saint and that's the will of the Lord. 
God put Jesus as head of the church so that we would become spiritually mature. That's why. So we could become spiritually mature. The church is essential for people to become spiritually mature. It's essential. Here's what I've learned at Thorn Creek. I've learned a lot over the 18 years, but one of the things I've learned is this. Faithful Thorn Creekers learn perseverance. Am I right? Those of you who've been around for a while. Faithful Thorn Creekers learn perseverance. We have had people who have left the church for all kinds of reasons. Everything from you served coffee in the worship center to you forgot my name at the door to um, I didn't like what was happening or I didn't, whatever. It just, you could imagine, you could imagine all kinds of reasons. And it's not just Thorn Creek. People leave churches all the time, don't they? Faithful Thorn Creekers or faithful church-going people learn perseverance. That's such a, a valuable thing. Because really, our world doesn't foster perseverance at all. Our world does not foster a spirit of perseverance. You can, you can uninstall that app anytime you want. Whenever you're not happy, you could uninstall. You could mark spam to any email that you don't want to see anymore. You can block people. You can unfriend people. Anytime you get tired, you can just quit. You can just walk away. Because you know what? Your feelings are what's most important. What you think is what's most important. You're the king. You're the queen. You're the one who gets to decide. And the root of all that is something called pride. That's the root of all that. Faithful church-going people have their eyes on Jesus and are willing to submit to the organization that Jesus has put in place. And they've learned perseverance. They've learned to walk even when they've been hurt. They've learned to trust God even when they've doubted at times. Even when things didn't go right. It's like they, they may walk with a limp, but they're more mature than ever. And they're, they're, they're this mature saint that have just learned to do that. Verse 14 says this. Uh, incidentally, I think, I think sometimes, you know, right when the new year changes and we say 2022 is going to be a great year. You know what I mean? We say that to ourselves. It's going to be a great year. You, you want to believe that, don't you? Like 2022 is going to be better than 2021. And I just want to be real with you. Um, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe it's going to be worse. Here's what you have to learn to do. You need to learn to walk with faith, even when there's problems in your life. You have to learn to coexist with pain and hurt and discomfort and inconvenience and injustice. Because things that are going to happen in 2022 that aren't going to make sense, and there's going to be a reason why you think I should walk away, or I should walk away from this relationship, or this church, or this company, or whatever, and it, you have to learn to walk by faith and live with pain at times. Live with that hurt and live with that doubt or whatever it might be, even, even if. Paul said this in verse 14. Then, here's, say then with me out loud, church. Stay with me. Say then. Come on, don't, don't, let me, don't, lose, don't let me lose you right now, guys. Stay with me. Then we will no longer be immature like children. So the, again, here's the message. Do you see the other side of this coin? If you don't have the church 
and no one, and the church, you're not allowing the church to speak truth into your life, and you're not in this, then you will be immature. You see a message, a theme in Paul's writings about maturity and the church. So it, 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 then you will no longer be immature. I mean, some of you are immature right now. You're immature. We won't be tossed, tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. Hello. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. See, the purpose of the church is for you to learn sound doctrine. To know the difference between a truth and a lie. It's known as the pillar of truth in other places. There's this idea of those people who attend church, they know the truth of God. They understand what's right and what's wrong. Even when the world says that's right and you look at scripture and you say, no, it's not right. It's wrong. I don't care what new law was just passed. I know what's right. I don't care what the world says. I know what truth is. And there's this, there's this idea. Part of the purpose of the church is to help you understand sound doctrine. There's a right and there's a wrong. Help you understand or see life through God's lens and help you understand that and not be influenced by others. Just because someone is smarter doesn't mean they're right. Verse 15 says this, instead we speak the truth in love. Hello. That's so important. It's important to speak truth in love. Do you accept that? When was the last time someone spoke truth in love to you? Did you accept it or did you reject it? When was the last time? It's important to do both. There should be speaking in truth in love in the church. Growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Who is the head of his body, the church. A real simple self-assessment you can do is just ask yourself this. Are you closer to Christ today because of the church today than you were a month ago? Do other people look at your life today and say, wow, you're different compared to a month ago? Is that too hard? You want to go five years? Is that easier? Are you, do people look at your life and say, I see a new joy in you that I didn't see a month ago? I see a new peace that I didn't see a year ago. I see a new freedom that I didn't see a month ago. Are you growing in Christ Jesus? I see, I see you, you, you're reading God's word. It's just new. It's, it's fresh. It's beautiful. This also means that the church believers, the body, church leaders, pastors, have a spiritual responsibility to speak truth. Scripture tells us to do that. We have a spiritual responsibility to speak truth. I've talked to people about things that they're going on in their life and, 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 uh, and sometimes they receive it and sometimes they reject it. It just depends on the person. But I have this spiritual responsibility to speak truth and to do it in love. To do it in love. If your truth just repels people from Christ, that it, and then it's not, it's not truth from, from Christ. Because God's, Jesus is always redeeming. He's always restoring. I want you to hear this too. The Christian life is not a private affair. It's not a private affair. It's meant for you to share with others. The church is a body. Rick Warren said, many, many believe one can be a good Christian without joining or even attending a local church. 
But God would strongly disagree. God would strongly disagree. And Paul goes on to say, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Isn't that beautiful? And the message right here is, you know what? When you commit to a church, when you serve in a church, when you really commit in a church, your commitment actually helps someone else in the church grow in their relationship with Christ. Because you commit, other people enjoy the fruit of your commitment. And that's what happens. And here's the hard part. What happens when the very thing that attracted you to the church violates your trust? I've seen this pattern happen in church all the time. People show up and they fall in love with the church. They're like, this is a friendly church. This is a great church. I feel so much love. I feel welcomed here. I love it. You know, some of you have been here for, you know, maybe a year or less. You remember that feeling. You should. And this is amazing. And then little by little, you start maybe trusting. And then in a matter of time, and let me just tell you right now, it's going to come down the road. If you haven't experienced it yet, just buckle in because it's going to happen. You're going to be hurt. You're going to be hurt. I've talked to men before who said, I've trusted this other man and this man that I shared some things with this other man and he shared it with another group of men. And now because of that, I'm not going to trust another man. I tried, I got hurt. So I'm going to, I'm not going to do that again. So, So you go from this, I love and I trust to all of a sudden feeling hurt to all of a sudden feeling like delusioned. Feeling delusion, saying, I don't know what happened. And then here's the next step. I'm preparing you guys because you're going to go through this. The next step is you're going to rethink church. You're going to rethink trusting others. And you're going to say, I'm not sure if I want to be part of that. I was hurt. Hurt is always personal. It's, it's, hurt is like t-ball for the devil. Because the devil just says, oh, it's your feelings that have been hurt, or it's you've been hurt. It's, your, it's so personal and intimate. It's like, oh, that person went, it was, it was just below the belt. And, and, and the devil uses that. It's so easy for the devil to create division when it's centered around hurt. You take everything personal. Very easy. So you rethink everything, and then you come to this decision. And here's the decision you're going to ultimately come to. Do I withdraw? Or do I forgive? That's where you're going to land. And withdraw doesn't always mean walk away from church. A lot of times that's what people do, right? I've, I've said it before. I think it takes more faith to stay in the boat than to walk, get out of the boat sometimes. But many people walk away because walking away is easy. And you just walk away. But there's other types of withdrawals. You can stay in a church and experience hurt, and you can withdraw and stay in the church. You know what that looks like? You don't trust anyone, any, anywhere, anywhere, anyone, anywhere. You share with people, you talk to people, but it's always small talk. You don't share anything vulnerable with them. You don't share anything that happens in your heart with them. You keep all that to yourself, but you attend the church, and you keep everyone at a distance 
You may attend every week, but you've withdrawn. Or you say, I'm not going to serve anywhere, but I'm going to keep attending. You've withdrawn from church. I'm not going to serve anywhere, and I'm not going to do that. Or I'm not going to, maybe you're saying, I'm not going to give, or you can give. It doesn't matter, but you can, you can be that person and say, you know what? I'm just not going to trust anyone anymore, so I'm not going to share anything with anymore. I'll keep going to church, and I'll have my own relationship with God. Now, the problem with that is you don't understand Scripture, because everything about the body of Christ is we do life together, and we love, and we forgive, and we build up, and we encourage and we support, and we walk by faith together. Everything about the church is this body that's coming together. Paul wraps it up. I think it's so interesting in Ephesians chapter 4, he talks so much about the church. And in this same chapter, he talks about our relationship with people because we need that. The church is full of imperfect people. And, and it, there's a lot of people who, who walk away because of, an imperfect person, and you need to keep your eyes on Jesus. Paul says this, so stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. We're still in the same chapter about church, guys. And you see what he's talking about? He's talking about a relationship. Don't lie. Don't let anger get control, take control of you. Don't, don't live like that. Let me just say that. If you're letting that happen, you are a slave to that hurt. You are a slave to that anger. And don't let the devil rob any more days from your life. He's already robbed your joy and robbed your peace don't let the devil rob any more time out of your life. It's your life. You know who's suffering? You, not anyone else. You. And the devil's at work. Verse 28, if you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work. And then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be what church be, be, be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Are you an encouraging person? Do you lift others up? When you talk to someone, are people just glad that you walked into the room? Are people just glad they had a conversation? Do they, people feel better about themselves because they had a conversation with you? And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Ouch. Whew. I live with this incredible weight to have spiritual integrity in my private life and my public life. I live with this incredible weight. I'm of this old school belief that if I live with spiritual integrity, with faithfulness and obedience in my private life, that God will bless my public life. And I'm just telling you guys, it's a weight that pastors live with. It's a weight that pastors live with. And I, want, I don't want to bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way I live. I don't want to do that. I don't want to fool you 
and bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit. Remember, he has identified you as his own. Amen. Guaranteeing that you will be saved on the last day of redemption. Get rid. Say, get rid with me. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander. You know what slander is? Slander is talking about others behind their back. As well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Amen. He's the head of the church. He's our standard. He's our standard. He wants you to forgive people just as he has forgiven you. I'm, I firmly believe if you truly know the grace of God in your life, it's really hard to carry a grudge. Some of you need to hear that because you're really good at carrying grudges. And you've convinced yourself you can be a Christian and carry a grudge. And I want you to know that's a strategy of the devil. And he's robbing you from spiritual growth. He's robbing you from joy. And we're called to forgive others just as Christ has forgiven us. Um, when I think about the church, I'm going to share with you some, some predictions I have for the future church in the midst of COVID. We'll go through it quickly. The first thing I want to say is the in-person church service is not going to go away. I don't think gatherings are going to go away. I think we need to come together, physically come together. I don't think that's going to go away. Now, I do think there's going to be a weeding out. Those people who've been nominally lukewarm committed, well, they're not going to come because they, they have good reason now not to come for whatever reason or excuse they have. I think it's going to weed out. I think there's going to be, a, a, it might be smaller, and that's what we're seeing across the world. Literally, churches are getting smaller in their in-person attendance, but I think those that are coming together are going to be more committed. That's the core that's staying there, and that's super exciting for me. The online church is here to stay. Isn't that good to hear online audience? I think that's our new, our, our new era. I don't think the online church is going to go away. I think it's here to stay. And we're able to minister to many, many people. The, the potential is great with the online church. It's beautiful. We have people who are members of Thorn Creek Church that live in other states. And they faithfully watch every week. That's, that's amazing to me. Glory to God. The message of Jesus is spreading because of this. The online church is here. It reminds me of the early church. When the early church was formed, one of the things that they experienced early on was persecution. They experienced famine. They experienced disease. They experienced oppression by the Romans. And they scattered. But you know what happened after they scattered? Churches were started everywhere because they were scattered. And I think COVID is going to be used by God. The church, the message of Jesus is being proclaimed online across the world by churches everywhere in a way that never had been done before. That's how it's just spread everywhere. And here's my prediction. Churches will be more mission-driven like that church in Frankfurt, Germany that has a mission in the red light district of Frankfurt. Churches will be mission 
driven. And churches will, here's the second prediction, prediction, is there won't be any churches, or let me say it this way, impacting growing churches will become seven-day-a-week churches. I really believe it's not just going to be a Sunday church. I think it's going to be a seven-day-a-week church. And the third th- prediction I want to say is, is churches will, will proliferate. And I, I, I asked my wife to help me out with this word because it's related to like, like COVID. COVID spread like a, a disease, right? A virus that went to everyone. You realize how easy it is? Um, can, people can get, it's contagious and all that kind of stuff. But I believe churches will proliferate. I believe they will be everywhere and they will spread like a virus, this message of Jesus and the church will be found in the red light district and the church will be found in that apartment complex. The church will be found at that senior adult housing complex, right, Kathy? The church will be found at work in the break room. The church will be found in that car. The churches will be found at that baseball field. The churches will be found in the garage. The churches will be found at that bar. The church will be found everywhere on 16th Street. That's what's going to happen. That's the future of the church. It's going to spread everywhere. It's going to be found in that house every Tuesday night. It's going to be found everywhere. Let me share another prediction. It will be replaced with servants instead of consumers. The church will be replaced with servants instead of consumers. And it makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, why in the world would you want to go to a church? And if you go to a church to be entertained, well, it's just a matter of time till you stop going to that church. And the people that are going to replace it are those who are going to serve. Those who actually have a job at the church. Those who enjoy being in the community, feeding the hungry, or loving, on whatever it is, it's going to be replaced with servers, not consumers. That's what's going to be replaced. And it will grow through engagement, not crowds. People will deploy their gifts. And the other thing I see happening is it will seem, now these are supernatural churches. Number six, it will seem disorganized, unpredictable, and maybe chaotic. Because I think that's the way the Holy Spirit works. When the Holy Spirit works, from a human perspective, we see disorganization. But the Holy Spirit works in ways that don't always make sense. Number seven, it will be orchestrated beautifully by the Holy Spirit. That's what I see happening. That's what I see happening. So it's going to weed out those people, the consumers. It's going to weed out the people who are lukewarm people. It's going to weed out the people who really didn't want to go to church anyway. It's going to weed out the people who think, I'd rather do something else with my time. But those who stay and the church is actually going to be stronger. I think this is the runway for the return of Jesus Christ. I think we're on the runway for the return of Jesus Christ. And that's what's happening. Here's, where, where, here's what I want to challenge you. I, I know this is long, guys. This is so good. Here's what I want to challenge you guys. Um, we're going we're gonna to go through 21 days of prayer. 21 days of prayer. And it's starting Monday, January 10. Will you be a part of this? We've never done this at Thorn Creek. But we're asking everyone to pray for 21 days. January 10, which is a Monday through January 30th, which is a Sunday, starting this coming Monday, January 10th. And here's two tools we're going to use. 
we want you to sign up for prayer slots. Go to thorncreek.church slash 21 days. Okay? And pray for your family. Pray for God to use this church. Our hope is that when we pray during these 21 days, God will give us new insight on how to work in our mission field. God will give us, God will bless us, and God will use us in ways that the Holy Spirit wants to use us. That's our prayer, that a new anointing comes over Thorn Creek Church. And God uses us for, and just pray, start off the year in prayer for these 21 days. So go to thorncreek.church slash 21 days. When you go there, you're going to go to this form right here by Sign Up Genius. And we want you to let us know what hour you're going to pray. If you could only pray for five minutes, that's okay. If you can pray for 30 minutes, that's okay. If you can pray for a full hour, that's okay. Just let us know. Now, I know some of you are thinking, well, I'll pray, but I don't want to I don't want to go to that sign up. I'll just pray in my own time. Let me just tell you, it encourages the church when the church sees other people praying. You hear that? It encourages other people when they see you signed up. So yes, it's true. You can pray any, anytime, anywhere. I get that. But you can encourage other people just by going to this place and putting your name down saying, I'm going to be praying at two o'clock in the morning on, on Tuesday or whatever it is. And here's the other tool we want you to use. We have a prayer wall. And we want you to go to thorncreek.church slash prayer and let us know what you prayed about. Let us know what you prayed about. Or let us know what your prayer request is. Maybe you have there's something on your heart. And when you go to that, here's what you're going to see. You're going to see a place where you can see all the prayers. Thorncreek.church slash prayer. You can see that. And here it's really cool. There's a little box on the bottom of every prayer. And if you click amen, if you click that little box, it'll show a like on that heart. Like someone, someone prayed for your prayer. Someone prayed for your prayer request. And that's how you can tell us what's going on in your life. We'll pray for you. And you can also say, hey, this is what I prayed for. So use those two things. It starts Monday. 21 days. Will you do it? Maybe you want to set your, your, your watch for 3.20. That's Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. That's our Thorn Creek time, 3.20 p.m. every day. But just look at those slots. Fill up, this, fill up those slots for 21 days and just cry out to God. Let's do that. Well, let's pray. God, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your presence. Jesus, we worship you. You are the head of this church and the church. So just have your way here. Would you use us in a way that we've never been used before? I pray for a spirit of unity. I pray for a spirit of love and grace and power that comes from your Holy Spirit, God. Have your way here, God. Work here and use this church and, and even across the world, Lord, and use this church here in North Denver and, and, and do whatever you want with us, God. Holy Spirit, tell us what to do. Holy Spirit, lead us. You are the one who has the answer, not me or anyone else. And would you raise up this church to be a force, a force for your kingdom, God. I pray that your kingdom of heaven is increased because of Thorn Creek Church. God, I want to pray for churches across the world, even my, my, my brother, my pastor friend in Frankfurt, Germany. Use him and minister to him. I thank you, God, for the way you've used this church in so many lives. It's so humbling, Lord. Thank you for giving us the privilege to be a part of this church. Make us stronger, Lord. 
Make us stronger so that we could withstand storms that come our way. I pray that you draw the lost to Thorn Creek Church. I pray that those who are found actually grow and mature in you, Jesus. I pray that we we are more we, we grow stronger, Lord, together as well. I pray that I pray that our gifts are deployed and we love and serve others and we forgive. And I pray God for that unity in the name of Jesus. And I just pray against the devil. I know the devil wants to create disunity. So let me just say this, devil, you have no business at Thorn Creek Church. You have no business at Thorn Creek Church. The blood of the lamb covers this church. And have your way here, God. Go before us. Even the land, God, we don't know where we're going to renovate, what building we're going to be in, God. But we're going to trust you, God. And I pray that you strategically position us. Put us in that place where we can make a great impact for your kingdom, God, in this city and the cities around us. Put us in that place, God. We're in your hands, God. We've always been in your hands. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.